read a passage of Scripture to you found in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 1. And I want us to deal with the question today, can God still bless America? You know, there's a debate about that among many theologians because God is above all a holy God. He is a just God. Many have said that unless God judges America, He'll have to give an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. The truth is that we must wrestle with this question, can God still bless America? And although we're going to look at a place in the Bible this morning that specifically finds the Lord addressing the children of Israel, there is a very keen correlation between what God was saying to Israel and what we find He's able to say to America. And I believe that it is incumbent upon us to to consider God's truth. And I, I do want to say that America is a Christian nation. I, I know that we have heard this statement from some of our elected officials in the not-too-distant past that America is a post-Christian nation. But I think that that is really historically and intellectually a dishonest statement to make. We have been established upon the principles and the precepts of the Word of God. And those that perhaps question that, uh, I would say have been oriented to a revisionist history and maybe exposed a common core instead of uh, a good old-fashioned history book. Yet I think that it is important for us to consider some of the things that we learn from the history of our nation as we begin this message today. Benjamin Franklin said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth. God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it possible that an empire can rise without his aid? Another time, he said, He who shall introduce into public affairs the principles of a primitive Christianity will change the face of the world. He also said, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this. President James Madison, we have staked the whole of all our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government. Upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves and to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Noah Webster said, The religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and His apostles. This is genuine Christianity. And to this we owe our free constitutions of government. Patrick Henry, that great patriot who said, Give me liberty or give me death, said these words, 
whether this new government will prove a blessing or a curse will depend upon the use of our people making the blessing will depend upon the use our people make of the blessings which a gracious God hath bestowed on us. If they are wise, they will be great and happy. If they are of a contrary character, they will be miserable. Righteousness alone can exalt them as a nature. Whoever thou art, remember this, and in thy sphere practice virtue thyself and encourage it in others. He said, the Bible is worth more than all the other books which have ever been printed. Thomas Jefferson said, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with His wrath? I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and His justice cannot sleep forever. There are many things, hundreds of things that we could point to today that would indicate to us without controversy that America was established as a Christian nation. I've had the privilege of going to Washington, D.C. and visiting the National Archives and there finding the Magna Carta and the Mayflower Compact, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and many of our country's most foundational documents and every single one of them bears testimony to the reality that this was established as a Christian nation. Are we perfect? By no means. Have we done righteously? Not always. Do we have problems? To be certain. Are we headed in a dreadful direction? I think so. But the reality is this, that just as we have been established and founded upon Christian principles, we may return there. And I believe that today, as we study the Word of God and the message of God to Israel, we can answer the question, can God still bless America? In Isaiah 1, the Bible says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even 
under the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. And what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he-goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Lord God, open the eyes of our spiritual understanding. Help us to see the wonderful truth that You have laid before us. Lord, I pray that we might determine to be that remnant, a faithful one, that make up a part of what You call Your remnant. And Lord, might You spare the land for the sake of the remnant. Lord, today I pray that if there's someone that is not saved, that today might be the day of their salvation. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. As we find the book of Isaiah opening, the Lord God is calling all of creation into the courtroom of heaven to hear His charges against the children of Israel. This nation had forsaken God and was in peril of being utterly destroyed by the Assyrians that had encamped round about them. And although they would not be destroyed by them, there were the Babylonians laying in wait to carry them into captivity. And the message was given in 
reign after reign of the kings of Judah, and they are named here in this passage of Scripture. What we find is that although these words were written to Israel specifically, there is an application for America today. The very things that God said were characteristic of this evil people characterize our country in 2020. There are many who have asserted that America has moved beyond the scope of revival, beyond the ability of a holy God to bless. And as we consider the truth here today, I believe that we can embrace that it is yet possible for the Lord to bless our land. To some, although it may seem implausible, or perhaps some would deign to think it impossible, with God all things are possible as we consider the history of Israel and God's dealing with them and His grace manifested to them even in the words which we have read here. We believe that it is possible for our land. As we consider what God said, we notice, first of all, if we may, the sinfulness of a nation. The sinfulness of a nation. For the Bible reveals in verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. They have gone away backward. As a people... They had rebelled against the Lord. There may have been some that were faithful to the Lord, but as a nation and as a whole, they had become very rebellious against the Word of the Lord. They were not going to have the Lord to rule over them. They were not going to follow the dictates of God, but rather, they were going to do whatever they decided that they wanted to do. Now, I'm going to tell you I'm thankful to the Lord for the freedom that we enjoy that was purchased at so great a price. And there is no greater freedom today, however, than the freedom of the soul that was purchased with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what we learn from a careful study of the Word of God is that we have been freed to now, by an act of our own will, to choose to do that which is right. Not freed so that now we can become licentious and just do all that flies in the face of a thrice holy God and expect somehow that God is going to bless sinful behavior. A holy God cannot bless it, elsewise He would become a partaker of other men's sins, and if He does so, then He is no longer God. And so we ask the question, how can God bless a rebellious people? And the answer is He cannot. God cannot bless rebellion against Him. 
often I've shared with our folks through the years that uh, people who are uh, living in open sin with no penitence in their heart whatsoever. Uh, maybe they're just shacking up and, and not getting married and living in a sinful arrangement. And they'll come and they'll say, pray for me that I'll get this apartment. Me and my girlfriend are going to move in together. Pray that God will bless us with this or with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, God cannot bless that mess or He is not God. Because God cannot bless the very thing that occasioned the death of His Son. It was our sin. And yet what I've discovered is that we're living in a day and in a time where our people have rebelled against God as a whole and they are determined to live their life on their terms irrespective of what a thrice holy God might say. And God is calling all of creation into the courtroom of heaven to bring an indictment against the people of God. And I think just the same, we need to recognize that the Bible declares in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And my friends, I cannot speak to the course that America may run and whether we will see revival or that we will be blessed again as a nation. But what I can say is this, that you and I can make decisions for ourselves and like Joshua of old say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was raised by a godly mother. I thank God for her witness and for her testimony and my heart aches today that she is gradually slipping away from us with Alzheimer's and uh, she's no longer able to speak or interact uh, really. And, and yet, I can remember oftentimes growing up, she would say, Mark, let me tell you something, that right is still right even if no one is doing it and wrong is still wrong even if everyone is doing it. And i got to tell you, I don't care what the Surgeon General says. I don't care what every health department from sea to shining sea says. My mama says, you're not smoking pot. I don't care if you got a bad back or a back it, you're not smoking pot. No kid of mine is going to be a pothead. And uh, what rings in my ears is right is still right, even if nobody's doing it. And wrong is still wrong, even if everybody's doing it. Because listen, right and wrong is not relative. Truth is not relative. It is absolute. And so there is no sliding scales in the economy of our God who is absolutely and utterly holy. What we find is that not only were these people in rebellion against God determined to do what they wanted to do on their own terms, but we find that they were an ungrateful people to the one that gave them everything. And the Lord compared them to two of the dumbest creatures that we can think of. The Bible says here in verse 3, "...the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know." My people doth not consider. Now, I wonder really how many of us, if we were going to list the top five smartest animals, if we would put an ox and an ass on our list. I doubt it 
very seriously. If we would uh, perhaps maybe go to the book of Proverbs, we could find some smart animals listed there that uh, they gather their uh, their food in the summer to, to against the, the time of winter. There are certain things. The, the, the conies are a feeble folk. The little rabbits is talking about it and how they're smart to protect themselves. And, and go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, the Bible says. But it, you know what? Nobody says... You need to consider the ox and the ass, and that uh, they're pretty smart individuals. No, the fact of the matter is that God here is using them as an illustration of the hardness and the stubbornness of the hearts of the people of God to go their own way and to do their own thing instead of staying in the harness and plowing in the direction that God has ordained for them. And what we here find is that God is saying, look, the ox knows his owner, and the ass is master's crib. Well, how do they know that? How, how does an ass have more brains in his head than, than Christian Americans? Because, look, he knows that, listen, that guy right there, he's the one that feeds me. He's the one that takes care of me. He's the one that, that puts me in the barn. He's the one that brings the hay. He's the one that helps me when I'm sick, that puts the, the ointment on me when I have a sore. That's the guy that does it. That ox, he can hear the, uh, the rancher coming. He can hear him with the oats and the, and, the, and the hay and with all that he needs. And he knows, look, that's the hand that feeds me and I'm, I'm going to go follow that. I know that. But you know what God is saying? Look, you're dumber than an ass. You're dumber than an ox. That's what the Lord is saying, because honestly, this country has forgotten the one that made it great. And God says, look, even the ox and the ass know who's fed them and sustained them. And so today, I'm, I'm just simply saying, they were not grateful. And we're living in a day where we are utterly ingrateful to God for the things that He has blessed us with. And as, as difficult as your life may seem to be in your purview, I'll promise you this, that half of the world's population would trade places with you any day of the week and twice on Sunday. The fact of the matter is that sometime it would do us well to go around our communities and, and just look and see the, the state of many people uh, who have come under the ravages of sin or travel to other countries and, and discover people that, that have very little. And, and, and it would cause us to appreciate all that God has blessed us with and to thank Him. Thanksgiving was a day that was ordained for us to give thanks unto the Almighty. It has become a day for football and for gluttony in our country and very little in terms of gratitude to God. We've morphed it into let's thank everybody for what they do in our lives, and we have forgotten God. This nation had backslidden, the Bible says. They're, they're gone away backward. That's, that's literally the terms and, and the verbiage for they have gone back, and, and they've provoked the Lord God. What I'm saying to you today is that look, if you can think of a time in your Christian experience where you were more on fire for God than you are today, you're backslidden. If you can think of a time in your Christian experience 
where you are more passionate for Jesus than you are today? What happened? Well, something happened to, to quench the zeal, to cover the flame. The reality is, as a nation, we have gone back from the Lord our God. And, and even now, we have, we have governors in our country who are trying to suppress the, the free exercise of religion in the name of public health. And, and I understand that for some that's a conundrum, but the reality, my friend, is this, that there's never been a time perhaps in some of our culture's life where that they've needed God more as they're questioning their own mortality, as they're dealing with death and dying all around them, as they're dealing with the, the fallout of job losses and financial reversal and, and, uh, and economic hardships and all of the things that have beset them, there's never been a, a time in their lives perhaps where they've needed God more than they need Him now. And I'm not just talking about the church as a social service agency giving out water and, and food and shelter and, and clothing and all of these things. I'm talking about as a means of sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to those who are at their wits end, who are at the end of the rope and thinking that they want to let go. There's never been a time where the church has been more essential than it is today, but we're seeing a battle being waged for whether or not even church should be allowed to meet. And my friends, that shouldn't even be a question. We're living in a day in this country where you can go out and you can get an abortion, but you can't go in many places to a house of worship. My friends, there's something wrong with that. I sat on an airplane with 200 people and most of them shoulder to shoulder uh, yesterday and they were having food service and beverage service on the plane. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If that was safe then what we're doing here is absolutely sterile. The fact of the matter is that we have seen just a broad departure from what we held to as a country and as a people. And God is looking for some men and women who will take a stand and say, listen, I realize that there's way more hanging in the balance than a stimulus check or whether I'm going to get sick. And we cannot cede our freedoms as a people and we cannot cede our stand as God's people just because we're in a global pandemic. My friend, I want to say this to you. If we go back in our passion for Jesus Christ, we're no different than what God said about the children of Israel. We notice, secondly, the sickness of a nation. The Lord said in verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? Why should I make you sicker than you are? You're already sick, He said. You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You know what? That's a picture of America today. That was a picture of Israel in the days of these kings from Uzziah down through Hezekiah. And let me say to you that it is a picture of a nation that has a defiled heart and mind. You know, it, it's a terrible thing really, honestly, when people are losing their jobs and our legislators are getting together and wanting to give out stimulus money to help folks who are in financial hardship and we're, they're sitting around 
debating on whether or not we're going to give hundreds of millions of dollars to abortion clinics. The fact of the matter is that last year, the last fiscal year alone, we approached giving Planned Parenthood in, in the United States alone almost 700 million federal dollars. And, and look, so now because people are losing their job, we think it should be, we, we should spend more money to let women abort babies. I, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, the soul of America is in a coma. We've lost our moral way. We are not walking in any moral or spiritual certitude. No moral high road seems to exist any longer. Even in the halls of Congress, there are a few there perhaps that would make up a remnant. But the reality is that there are so many that have been given over to reprobation. And as we read Romans chapter 1, we understand the, the course that this country has gone. The mind you see, their head, he said, the whole head is sick. Your mind is defiled and sick. And I want to just say something to you. For as much as today people want to profess what great advancements we've made in humanity because of the internet, because of computer technology, because of artificial intelligence, wow, aren't we smart? You know, the fact of the matter is, I don't think we're smart. I think we're highly unwise. There's a difference between uh, being smart anyway and being wise. The reality is today that there are many people that are watching this uh, 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 service that when you were coming up and years ago, you used to know three, four hundred phone numbers by heart. You know what? You can't name a half a dozen of them now. You know why? Because we're smarter now. We don't have to remember that anymore, do we? You know, it used to be that you know, you'd send out birthday cards and, and anniversary cards. Of people. Now we can't remember anything unless Siri tells us about it. The fact of the matter is we can't remember our times tables and long division, how to do it unless we have a calculator or a computer. The fact of the matter is we don't think that we need to assimilate any information in our heads about history because we can just Google it. We don't need to study the Bible and retain the knowledge of the Word of God because we can just go to some... Uh, online program and find the answers. The truth of the matter is is that in the last 25 years we have seen proliferation and a rise in dementia and dementia related illnesses and Alzheimer's and I believe it's it's it correlates with the rise in computer technology and people not having to stimulate their minds to think on things. And what's happening is we have a generation of people that are so plugged into video games and so plugged into internet pornography and so plugged into internet discussion and chat rooms and so plugged into things on the internet that we've lost our imaginations and we've lost our minds and the whole head is sick and we're not even able to think on the things of God. We have no imagination other than what we can see and view on the internet. We're unmoved in our spirits except by the human interest stories that we see downloaded to YouTube and someone sends to us in an email. And God forbid we should ever go out and witness one or God forbid even participate in something that would be wonderful. We have to sit there and view it. And there's a generation of people that are sitting around in the middle of the night in their underwear downloading stuff on the internet. It's no wonder that we have a generation 
generation of people that are utterly dysfunctional. And if we should ever come to war, time of difficulty, the mind, the whole head is sick. They're not able because they're so dependent upon technology. If we had an EMP, I'm telling you, the whole world would be rendered totally dysfunctional. They wouldn't know what to do because just like that, in a and in a hundredth of a second, there would be such a cataclysmic explosion in the ionosphere that nothing electronic would work. It would just stop. And then what? How are you going to start a car? How are you going to turn on a computer? How are you going to use a calculator? How are you going to keep the fridge turned on? Where are you going to get your food? You see, look, sometimes we think we're so smart, we're like those people in Romans 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Forgotten God. The Lord said, look, why should I afflict you? Why should I make you sicker? You're already totally sick. You're a mess. Their hearts were cold and indifferent. There was no love in their heart for God. They were only in love with what they wanted to do. And the Bible tells us here that their wounds were open and have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. You know what? There was nothing in the world that they could do for themselves to change that scenario. You know what? Sometimes what we do is we think, yeah, things are really bad. So what we want to do is we want, we want to turn on all the good news and want to somehow feel mollified in our spirit about the state of America because we see a Boy Scout help a little old lady across the street. Or we see a fireman help a cat off a roof. Or because somebody donated a kidney. Or because somebody helped someone out of a burning building. And, and my, isn't that wonderful? And doesn't that just restore your confidence and hope in humanity? No, listen. My friends, we're all together gone out of the way. The reality is this that I'm happy every time something good like that happens. But those things are not the norm in our culture. Those things are the exception. And I don't believe, like the humanist, that man is at the center of his universe and man left to himself will ultimately come to that, which is good. What we see is through social experimentation in our country, we have given up on God and we have become sick. And there's nothing that we're trying to do through drugs, through marijuana, through uh, therapy, through treatment programs uh, that seems to be making the difference. The only thing that will in time make the difference is Jesus Christ. We notice thirdly, the security of a nation. You see, that nation whose mind is sick and whose heart is drawn away from the Lord is insecure. And in verse 7, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land strangers devoured in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. As the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Look, we're, we're sitting ducks when we take a position against God. The devil has painted a target on us and we are fair game for his wiles and for his darts. And what I'm simply saying to you is this, that they were vulnerable to the destruction of God and the destruction of their enemies because they turned their back upon their one defense. The one thing that was going to sustain them was God. Almighty God. 
And they were vulnerable because they had turned their back on Him. And God alone was the one that kept them from total annihilation. And then we sit by and watch the destruction, the dismantling of our country. And we wonder, how, how did this all happen? We don't have to wonder. We just have to read Isaiah chapter 1. And it makes it eminently clear. You know, it's a tragedy really when you read the statistics of the amount of time that, that young people spend on the internet, on social media, the addictions that they develop. And, and they are addictions. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, there are people that have withdrawals when they lose their phone. They, they, they start having anxiety when they lose their, uh, their tablet or they can't log on to their games. They, they, they feel displaced and they feel out of sorts and they, they start having anxiety separation from their devices, and they're addicted to it. We all know the sad stories of people being addicted to pornography because it's so readily accessible. And, and during this time of folks staying at home during COVID-19, the, the, the downloads of pornography have absolutely skyrocketed. And even our public health officials encouraged illicit sex during this time of folks that are st staying home as a means of dealing with stress and, and uh, trying to avoid domestic violence as though somehow that was a cure. And We have stinking wounds that are not mollified with ointment. And everything we throw at the problem seems to only make it worse. And we're insecure as our nation is being destroyed. We notice the spirituality of a nation. And I'll not take the time to read through this, but as we, we see verse 9, the Bible does here say, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been a Sodom. We should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. And then the Lord began to say, look, I... Look, your sacrifices, all of your going to the temple, all of it, it makes me sick. I have no use for all your church going and your do-gooding because your heart is so far away from me. Because it's vain for you. There's no sincerity of heart. You see, there was a godly remnant that caused God to stay His hand against the people of God. I believe that God in every dispensation of time has had a remnant of people that He has chosen and called out. The land of Sodom and Gomorrah had not a faithful remnant. Had not that faithful remnant. God would have spared them if there were even ten. But there was no remnant there. God is looking for a remnant of those so that He would stay His hand. And I can't help but think that what the children of Israel were doing is a lot like the postmodern church of our day in America. There's no holiness in them, but they were going through the motions of church. He said, Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. So, 
really? You're going to fill your lungs and fill your lungs and fill your body with alcohol and then come in and say you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You want to watch whatever you want, listen to the vilest things on television and radio, download the vilest things, talk like the world, and then come into the house of God and act like you're going to entreat a thrice holy God. We're acting like patrons, not, not His children who stand in awe of Him and live with the fear of God in our lives. And until the church today begins to experience a revival of holiness, there is no hope for America. It's not that all the wicked abortion doctors and all the, 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 the child traffickers and the sex traffickers and all, all, all of the, uh, the drug pushers and, and all that. Look, look, that's not what God is looking for. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It was God's people. It wasn't the abortionists. It wasn't the dope peddlers. It wasn't the prostitutes. It was those that called the name of the Lord God. And what I'm saying to you today is, look, the church needs to experience a revival, not in more praise and worship, but in holiness. I think sometimes the Lord looks out and someone comes in with their boyfriend that they just slept with and they got a new tattoo and they're so happy and they have a new, a new piercing and they come into the house of the Lord. They have no intention of cleaning, uh, uh, living a life that's clean before God and they, they want to sing praises of the Lord like somehow God is going to receive that. God is not going to receive that any more than God is going to receive the, the praise and worship of the people of Israel uh, that had a heart that was hard toward God and were backslidden, but they still brought the sacrifice. I believe what they were trying to do was somehow buy God off as though somehow He didn't really know. My friend, you can't buy God off. He knows everything. He doesn't need your sacrifice, though He desires it from a pure heart. Now I want to tell you something. This is a hard message, and, and really, it, I could preach it harder than what I'm preaching it now. But I want to tell you that, that notwithstanding, it's the truth. There are folks like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, is, it, is the pastor a legalist now? Well, you know, what happened? Did, did, you know, did he, he get some strange doctrine? No. I just believe that God is who He said He is. He's holy. And He calls us to be. And He calls our nation to be. And He calls pastors and churches to live righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who gave Himself for us that He might sanctify unto Himself a peculiar people, that means different, that are zealous of good works, Sometimes I think the church is trying so hard to look like the world and sound like the world and smell like the world that we've lost any distinction between ourselves and them. The reality today is that God is calling us to a spirit of revival and holiness. And until we do, there's really no hope for blessing upon America. It doesn't mean 
that we're going to be judged with some sort of a, a war. Perhaps we could be, but that doesn't necessarily mean this is a mandate for it. But the whole passage turns here. In verse 16, we read these words. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. That's talking about discernment in your life. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. That doesn't mean sit in the seat of judgment. What it means is find out what their needs are and care for them. Plead for the widow. And here's what God says. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. What the Lord is saying here is, look, we can settle this out of court. I don't have to sit in the seat of judgment. I desire to give you my grace. Let's reason this together. Listen to, to what I have to say. Let's deal with this in a loving and in a gracious way. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. You see, God is not waiting to just let America have it. He's not waiting just to destroy sinners. No, He's saying, let's reason together. I want to offer you grace, not judgment. I want to show you love, not harshness. I want you to have salvation, not damnation. And it comes through the shed blood. Though your sins be as scarlet, the Bible says, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There is a salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Jehovah God was calling His people even under the law to come to a place of grace that He was offering them. And today, America is being afforded a season of grace. The Lord is inviting us to put away our iniquity and turn to God. America is like Israel. We are at a crossroads. And God is calling us to turn to Him. He's looking for some believers that will be a part of a remnant. I wonder if that will be you. I wonder if you'll be a part of God's remnant in this age. To take a stand for America. You know, I love this country. I honor its flag. I thank our veterans. I commemorate those that paid the highest
price for our freedom. But I have to be candid, there's something that really troubles me at times. And that is that we can sing the Star Spangled Banner and we can salute the flag and we can wave the flag and we lift it up and say, Oorah! And there are many who have served in the military and, and they're all about it and they, they're, they're happy that we're honoring the, the veterans. But you know what? What about God? Where's the same fervor for God? Where's the same passion for His work? People donate to a political party or a political candidate, not, not contribute to missions. There are people that will stay up and watch the news and discuss politics so the cows come home and never tell their next door neighbor how to be saved. What about God? Why did men die in wars, wearing the uniform of this country. You say, so that we could have the freedom. And God's given you freedom to choose. And He calls you by His grace today to choose to do His will. Can God still bless America? Psalm 33.12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Would to God there be a remnant that would stand up and be counted where that we might be blessed again. I hear the voice of God. If my people, my people, Christian people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, then we could see the salvation of a nation. We can see the blessing of God upon the nation. It begins with you. It begins with me. Not in the halls of Congress, not in the White House, not in the state house, but at your house and at my house. Just determining to be all that God has called us to be and not go back. I wonder on this Memorial Day weekend as we remember the sacrifice that purchased freedom and that freedom is not free and that God in His great love wherewith He loved us purchased our freedom at so terrible a price. He gives us the freedom now to choose. Will you decide I'll be a part of the remnant? I'll make up that group such that God will stay His hand of judgment. And there might be a place in a season of grace so that God can bless America again. Heavenly Father, I pray for our country. I pray for our people that we may turn back to God. That we would understand that You have been the provider. You have been the sustainer. You are our Creator. Lord, help us not to be foolish as the ox and the ass 
who in a way are smarter because they recognize who feeds them and cares for them. Lord, help us, dear God, to be wise concerning these things and to be a part of that remnant that will take a stand in this evil day. And Lord, I pray that it might begin in me. For this I pray, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Maybe you have listened to this sermon today and deep down in your heart, you're heavy hearted about the iniquity of our country. You're concerned about the iniquity in your own heart. You just don't know, you're not sure that if you died right now, that you'd go to heaven to be with the Lord. The Lord, as He spoke to Israel, said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. See, the Lord wants to wash away, cleanse you of all of your sin so that you can be forgiven and know that heaven is yours forever. And if you've never come to a place in your life where you've made the decision to trust Christ and receive His gift of, receive His gift of salvation, I want you to listen very carefully. The Bible says that all men are sinners. That's you and me. We're not perfect. We're sinners not just because we've done things wrong. We're, we're sinners because that's how we're born. We were born into sin. We can't change who we are. The Bible says there's a penalty for sin. and says the wages of sin is death. And that separation from God in a place of suffering called hell. But the good news is this, that God loves you and me so much that He went to a cross. There He died to pay the price for our sin so that we may receive forgiveness and have the hope of eternity in heaven with Him if we would simply believe Him and receive His offer of forgiveness and salvation. If you understand that you're a sinner and that you deserve to go to hell, but that Jesus didn't want you to go there, He loved you so much, He died in your place so that you could go to heaven through the forgiveness of sins. You believe that Jesus died and He was buried and He rose again to offer you eternal life with Him in heaven and you desire to receive that gift. He said, Whosoever, that means anyone, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you ask Him for it, He's promised that He'll give you that salvation. And if you've never done that, I'm going to invite you right now as I pray to pray right along with me. Now, I want you to know there's no magic words. My prayer will not save you. But if the words of this prayer reflect what is in your heart, I invite you to pray them right along with me right now. Dear Lord God, I come to You confessing that I am a sinner. And I know that I cannot change that. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to cleanse me and to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with Him. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to save me 
and take me to heaven. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Enable me to live for thee. For this I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer with all of your heart, I want to invite you to go to our website or through Sermon Audio. Email us. Tell us about your decision. We want to send you a Bible or give you some information that will help you understand what Jesus has done for you. It would be our delight to help you as you begin to grow in your newfound faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, I want to say, God knows that we're dust. When we get saved, we don't instantly begin making every right decision. And should you sin tomorrow, every sin that you committed was yet in the future when Jesus died. He paid for every sin you'd ever commit in advance, past, present, and future. He's taking care of that one too. When we get saved, we get everlasting life. We'll never lose it. It's something that God intends for us to keep. And He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we rejoice in this. Today, I want you to know, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be like wool. And here's why. Because there is a Redeemer.